Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in. Take my hand. Say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Welcome in, everyone, to a wonderful 17th of September. It is a number of days, actually, today. It's six months from St. Patrick's Day. On March 17th, it also, and I think it's kind of ironic, it's also 232 years ago today, the U.S. Constitution was adopted. And I think the irony of that is that St. Patrick's Day is really, up until recent, very recent times, St. Patrick's Day is really an Irish-American holiday. In Ireland, years um, up until maybe the last 30 years or so, it was just a holy day of obligation. You went to church, and uh, you went to Mass, and that was kind of it for St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick is one of the two patron saints of Ireland. The other one is St. Bridget. Ironically, my grandparents' names were Bridget and Patrick. Um, But St. Patrick's Day was really much more an Irish-American day because it was the time when people who had emigrated to this country, be it because of famine, oppression, uh, poverty, um, whatever reason had come here, it was a time for them to reflect and reunite with their fellow countrymen. And their fellow emigrants, actually, um, in this country. And that's, you know, and who's, you know, it was, it was a time to party, to have a, a Guinness or two. And, uh, so I think it's kind of ironic that it, that half, that it's, it's both an Irish and an American, an Irish American holiday. And so September 17th is half Irish and U.S. Constitution. They tie together. It also happens to have been, today would have been my parents' 72nd wedding anniversary. So March 17th, 17th of September has always kind of stuck out to me. Um, St. Patrick's Day, as I say, really stuck, was really much more a celebratory day here in this country, um, especially in Boston, New York, Chicago. Um, ironically, Traditionally, the biggest celebration of the day um, has often been in, um, oh, it just went out of my head, Savannah, Georgia. Um, But it's also a time for everyone to come together, regardless of your heritage, regardless of where your ancestors come from. Um, and so I'm just going to play one quick little song for you tonight. 
by Danny Doyle that I think Danny was an Irish singer. Um, some of you might remember one year back when I worked for ACB and I used to put the legislative seminar together, Danny actually came and we did a fundraiser for National Alliance of Blind Students, which is now ACB students. And he came and entertained for the evening for us. He uh, lived in, in Northern Virginia at the time. He's passed away a couple of years ago now, but he was a, he was one of the great Irish singers of the last half of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st. And so what I am going to try to do in just a second is play a song that, as he pointed out to me one night, is, yes, he's Irish, and I'm not sure if he actually wrote it or not, but he did um, point out that it really is for anyone, especially anyone whose family or ancestors came through Ellis Island. And so I am going to start this now and just know that everyone is everyone is Irish on St. Patrick's Day and halfway through. So just give me one second and I should be able to get this going. Swarming like a scene from a costume ball, decked out in the colors of Europe and on fire with the hope of it all. There, my father's own father stood huddled with the tired and hungry and scared. Turn on the century pilgrims. They were standing in lines just like cattle Poked and sorted and shoved Some are one desk away from sweet freedom Some are torn from someone they love Through this sprawling tower of Babel Came a young man confused and alone Determined and bound for America Carrying everything that he owned Sometimes when I look in my grandfather's emigrant eyes I see that day reflected And I can't hold my feelings inside I see starting with nothing and Working hard all of his life so don't take it for granted, say grandfather's emigrant eyes. Now he rocks and stares out the window, but his eyes are still just as clear as the day he sailed through the harbor. 
come ashore on the island of tears My grandfather's days are numbered But I won't let his memory die For he gave me the gift of this country And the look in his emigrant eyes Sometimes when I look in my grandfather's emigrant eyes I see that day reflected And I can't hold my feelings inside I see starting with nothing and working hard all of his life So don't take it for granted Say grandfather's emigrant eyes Don't take it for granted Say grandfather's emigrant eyes Trying to stop sharing. Doesn't want to do that. There we are. Well, I hope folks enjoyed that. I think it brings out so much of our families. And, you know, regardless of where you're from, family family really is what, what keeps us all together and keeps our lives somewhat in balance anyhow um now can I just check Katie are you still here yes ma'am I'm here there you are great I wasn't 100% sure that my microphone had not kicked out on me when I stopped the screen share (laughs) I thought that song was beautiful I love that song I really I, I do I think it's a great song it just kind of reminds me of my grandfather. I remember my gran- my grandfather passed away when I was six, but he used to sing where the river Shannon flows to me when I was a little, little kid. <laughs> and that, and uh, that song just, just that song means a lot to me for that reason. Um, You know, there are some things that just happen. I'm, I'm trying to relate this back. I'm trying to segue, and I'm not doing a very good job of it, I'm afraid. To this year, this past March, some of you know, I went a little over the top with programming and calls and such for St. Patrick's Day. But what I think it did was it brought some of us together in a very unexpected way. And I was so pleased with some of what has transpired since the St. Patrick's Day uh, six months ago. Um, one of the things that we did at that time was we did a call 
um, just on Irish literature. And one of the uh, people that we talked about was an author, Patrick Taylor, who's written a very, very cute set of um, a series of books, the Irish Country Doctor series. And one of the people that happened to be listening that day, happened to be on the call, was Kathy King. And many of you may know Kathy. She and Cheryl do um, Writing Works Wonders on Fridays. And she got so into it that day that she went ahead and got in touch with Patrick, uh, Patrick Taylor, the author, and um, arranged and had him on her uh, call a couple of months later and developed a great relationship with him. And uh, we all thoroughly enjoyed having him on uh, Writing Works Wonders. Um, and it was all because of what came out of our calls last March. Um, I had a great time doing that two-hour series with uh, the two-hour show that Rick and I did um, with the music and such. That was, it was just, I, I just hope that people enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it together. Um, some new, some other Irish writers that have occurred to me since then, uh, and Kathy's not here tonight, but she told me she was going to be listening. She has uh, family over this evening, so she couldn't be on. But um, the one who I'm afraid she won't be able to interview because she passed away a few years ago, but many of her books are on Bard, if not all of them, was Maeve Binchy, B-I-N-C-H-Y. Her, she does some really, really good books. I know the first one I read was uh, The Copper Beech Tree, but there are, she's done many books, and they are all on. There's a lot of them on Bard. I've read them all. I think about 14 of them or so. Um, another thing, I, some other things I looked up this week on Bard is uh, W.B. Yeats. Anyone who's into um, poetry and his plays and such. There's an entire compendium, and there are a few other um, books of his, both his poetry and his plays. Um, Yeats was a very interesting person. He originally came from County Sligo, which is in kind of the um, upper west coast of Ireland, and it's a beautiful, beautiful country up there. Um, I'm trying to think of a, ben, of a Sligo song. Uh, ben Bulban is one. Anybody's looking for, for some Irish music. Um, and Jonathan Swift, of course, and James Joyce. And um, I think we came up with some others that I put on the website at the time. And I'm going to go do some updating of that probably this weekend. But what I really would like to do now is open up the call, open up our calls and just hear from people on your Irish uh, or what are any other, um, your, any memories that you have of fun celebrations on St. Patrick's day, um, some good Irish recipes uh, some good other good authors. Tana French is another one who's done a couple of series, some series 
of books that are um, mostly a Dublin detective, much more, much more modern Dublin uh, police uh, or the Garda, as they're called in Ireland. Uh, trips to Ireland. What if, for anyone who's been, has anyone been on a trip to Ireland? Been to Ireland? If you have, I'd love to hear your stories about going over. And uh, so what I'm going to do first is ask Kathy, I'm sorry, Katie, to um, Katie O'Leary here now, at least on St. Oh, Patrick's what's, what's Day. Up, my friend? Could you be telling them now how to how to raise their hands and how to unmute? I can do that. Okay. Oh, you're a grand girl. <laughs> <laughs> to raise your hand on the computer, that would be Alt-Y. On the Mac, it's going to be Option Y. On your app, it's going to be in the lower right-hand corner. And on your telephone landline, it's going to be star nine. And once Terry tells you to go ahead and talk, if you have to unmute, it's going to be Alt-A on your computer. On your Mac, it's going to be Command-Shift-A. On your app, it's going to be in the lower left-hand corner. And on your landline, it's going to be star six. Oh, she's lovely. Isn't she do a grand job altogether? She certainly does. So let me ask first, has anyone... Ah, we have a hand up already. Deanna. There we go. Had to unmute myself. Well, um, we always thought that my mother was half Ojibwa. Um, from the northern peninsula of Michigan and half Irish because her mother thought she was Irish. But actually, she did a DNA test recently and found out that she comes out half Ojibwe and half northern European. So I don't know if that includes Ireland or not, but (laughs) um, she was raised by an Irish father and he was as far as I'm concerned, my great-grandfather. And he taught me to read when I was three. He was a steel worker, and he loved books, and he loved to read. And so um, he would sit in his rocker, and I'd sit on his knee, and he would open his big family Bible and read, and he would run his finger along the lines as he read, and he would spell out words for me. So the first words I learned to read were things like the and God said. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, whether or not Northern European means Ireland too, I can't say, but but that's what um, my connection with Ireland is. And, oh, one other. We hadn't a llama, and we went to a Celtic, we went to a, a llama show at the same time they were holding a Celtic festival in the same place at the other end of the fairgrounds. And they were playing music, and we were trying to get our llama dry because we'd just given him a bath. And so he started high-stepping to the music. <laughs> and so we said it must be, you know, the Scots sound in there because he comes from the Highlands too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever seen an Irish wolfhound? 
the I've Irish heard of dog, them. The I know Irish dogs. They sound like they a wonderful are dog. Huge. Oh my God. They're enormous. They are. They are. They're, they're really, really neat. Sometimes you see them at the, uh, Gaelic, Gaelic fest, uh, Celtic festivals. Uh, I've, I've heard of them yeah. and I've heard that they're highly intelligent yeah. and, and marvelous dogs. Yeah, they really are. They're lovely. Um, I think they'd eat you out of house and home from the size of Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, everyone has a little bit of Irish, I think, um, whether it's in the, the heart or just in the head. Ours <laughs> might be only in the head, but who knows? And as far as immigrants are concerned, I figure we're all immigrants. Even my chosen uh, cultural base of, of being a Native American is based on the fact that we just got here by walking. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't walk. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much of that Irish. It was a little, That's little over a little over the head. A little 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 deep. Yeah, quite but we stayed down across when the land bridge was there. <laughs> so you know it was and I think we all came here looking for a better future for our children. And that's what makes us Americans. I think you're following absolutely your dreams. right. That's a very, very, very true. I think that's very, very true. You know, I think it really is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think, and I think you're right. And, you know, in reality, I'm, I, I don't mean this in any kind of a, negative way or anything. I certainly would never mean to insult anyone, especially you, Deanna. But, you know, the word native tends to mean when someone is born someplace. So well, is, I think since we, we all, call ourselves the first people, um, yeah. indigenous might be um, something a little more acceptable. Yeah, because I mean, it's it, just, it just, you know, seems, you have to arrive there but somehow. We, we all, the, we're all going back you know, many of us, most of us are going back multiple generations to our origins. But in reality, most of us are American. You know, whether we're American Irish or American uh, or Irish American or American Irish or Italian American, you know, it's. It, it's, well, it's 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 all it's all in our past. Since we were called Indians by mistake, since they thought they'd arrived in India. They thought they had arrived there. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, Indians was not a word we we accept, you know understood. But Native Americans seemed to be, you know, we were yeah. the natives when everybody else was arriving by boats. Right. I think that's where it comes from. Not so much. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And as far as the Northern Europe. European thing, what you have to keep in mind is there were so many battles and so many conquers, conquerings and such. You know, the Vikings invaded um, Ireland. The the Norse, um, the, that's how you get con- uh, counties in Ireland like Waterford or Wexford because the, the Ford is from the word fjord, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing that and so you had all of these intermarriages and interrelationships and such that I think European is European pretty much an, an awful <laughs> I lot. I think you're probably because, right there. You know, the, the French were this, uh, the Spanish Armada, the Portuguese, um, that kind of thing. They were just 
this, this, I don't think anyone is pure anything anymore, really. And I think we've learned a lot of that from the, uh, from all of the new DNA testing, testing and such. Yeah, that people are finding out all sorts of surprising things about their and They origins. are indeed, whether they want to or not sometimes. But I see, and I thank you, but I see the next person who has her hand up has a good Irish name. I have an aunt. I had a great aunt by that name. It's my was my mother's part of my mother's first name. And Nora, would you like to join us this evening? If you can unmute, there you are. Hi, actually, I'm partly from Germany. You know, my great my great grandfather, my mother, on my well, well, I gotta get that straight. (laughs) My great grandfather (laughs) on my father's side was from Germany. I think, and uh, way, 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 way back, way, way, way back before that, there may have been some Irish people in my ancestry, but I feel like I'm a little teeny with a bit of uh, Irish and Scottish. Um, ah, there you go. It's a good combination. Yep. And also, <laughs> my last name is kind of a German last name. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even, I was, I was avoiding attempting to pronounce it yeah pronounce your king <laughs> ah there okay there we go yep there we go. Um, like, um, yeah anyway, anyway my i enjoy the irish parties like uh st patrick's day parties and uh dressing up in green and singing irish songs i remember it's a special activities kind of for the flying here in arizona phoenix and it was called Phoenix Center for the Blind, and now it's namely called Arizona Center for the Principal Blind and Visually Impaired. And we've had, we've had, like, I was in the choral group back in 96, 86 and not, wait, from 86 to 88, and we had a great time. And I enjoyed the, the parties. We had a little, a little bit of a, some ice cream on that time, and, and the foods are like ham and cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, you bring up a good point. Something, you know, in Ireland, they, they had never. I have friends that came over, that came over here back in oh, the late seventies. They didn't know what corned beef and cabbage was. No. Corned beef is really a Boston or New York um, was introduced to the Irish in Boston and New York. In Boston, it's called gray corn beef, and in New York, it's red corn beef. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's a different way in which they corn the beef. That, um, mm-hmm. But that's a to- that is a totally American-Irish St. Patrick's Day dish, yeah. is corn beef, corn mm-hmm. beef and cabbage. But I think everybody had cabbage because it was such a... Um, staple, you know, and it, yeah. it would last for a good long time yeah. in the root was, cellar. Right. But, and it was uh, green. Yeah. Right. And it, it would, and it did happen to be green. That's true. Yeah. That's, I've always learned that's the way you, that's the way I remember my grandmother teaching me when you make corned beef and cabbage at dinner, it's the Irish flag. Mm. You put it in, um, the Irish flag is orange, white, and green. Hmm. And you and that's the order in which you put you do the orange vegetables first, then mm-hmm. the white vegetables, 
and then the green vegetables. Wow. It's great. And also <laughs> I like the music I like the music, the Irish music and the bagpipes and singers and I have a friend who likes to sing and play with ba- uh, a flute also. She likes to play the flute and she likes to sing and I've heard people playing bagpipes so nice. Yeah, yes. And there are two different types of bagpipes. is the Yulian pipes and the Scottish pipes. And, oh, we, okay. and someday we'll get into a whole discussion of the differences, the difference between the two pipes. But maybe uh-huh. we'll save that for something on Media Cafe or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, unless somebody else wants to explain it. Um, thank you. But thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, we're talking about um, St. Patrick's Day and parties and such. Who has a, has anyone on our call now been to Ireland? If you have, would you share with us some of your favorite memories from being out from uh, your trips there? Uh, I know I've, I've kissed the Barney Stone not once, but twice. Um, there's just so much that, uh, okay. Uh, you don't really want to hear all my trips to Ireland, I'm sure, <laughs> folks. Um, but let's see, what else can we, uh, we've talked about some of the, uh, some of the, the famous writers from Ireland. Um, some of the great music. There's so much good Irish music. Um, yeah, everybody. This you have to kind of keep in mind that there's two types of there are multiple types of Irish music. You can get into the Cayley, which is basically the uh, the old instruments. Um, and there's the ballads, um, which is kind of what emigrantized was. And I have another one I was going to play before we finish. And, but there's also, there's the Irish music and the Irish American music. And many, many people for many years now have put down the Irish American music. And it's not, you know, that's the Clancy Lord, the Boom and McNamara's Band and One Irish Eyes is Smiling, those kinds of things. But if you think about it, that was the music that our grandparents and that had here, uh, whether it was whether it was from a movie like How Are Things in Glockamora from Finian's Rainbow or whatever. It's it was it was the it was what reminded them of home a lot more. And so, you know, especially on St. Patrick's Day, I see absolutely nothing wrong with Irish American music um, the, through the, uh, you know, but I, I just, I hate to see when people just put it down because it was written by some songwriter in New York for $25 or something like that. So what? It meant a lot to the people who sang it. And I think that's, what's really important. Anyone want to embarrass themselves or me or, um, just tell us a great story of, uh, you know, just a fun thing that you've done on a St. Patrick's Day in the past. Anyone that would like to just join in on a conversation about Ireland, 
please just raise your hand and we'll plug you in. We would love to hear more from you. And and if you don't, you're just going to have to hear more from me, which gets pretty boring after a while, I'm sure. Um, in the meanwhile, I'm going to I'm going I'm going to play one more song. Oh, wait a minute. We have a hand up. Uh, Deanna, it's you again. There we are. I just didn't want you to talk to your to the dead airways and wonder if anyone's <laughs> still here. <laughs> um, actually, I was going to share that my fourth guide dog was named Irish. And she was a little black lab. So I used to sing Irish eyes are smiling when I would brush her. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my acquaintance with that. And of course, my grandmother, um, that was perhaps Irish, um, <laughs> had blue, gray, green eyes, the kind that change with the weather and the color of the clothing she wore. So that's what I'd always think of when I would be brushing my dog and, and singing about Irish eyes, were those sea change eyes. Ah, uh, that's true. We we have a, a a multitude of colors of Irish of eyes in Ireland, and I think a lot of it's again it's because of the uh, the invasions through the years, and that's how. It was with the Spanish, particularly um, the Spanish and Portuguese invasions that yeah, we had the, the black Irish. That we had the black <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the black Irish. Black Irish is the is the dark hair with the dark eyes. Um, some people, and when you have get into more of a mix, you've got uh, people with the blue eyes, with blue eyes, for instance, and that's when you really get into the mix when you got the black hair and blue eyes. Yeah, that's very pretty. <laughs> One of my nieces, um, well, my daughter, my eldest daughter was born with black hair and vivid blue eyes. And they didn't turn brown until she was over two. So we really? thought she was going to have blue eyes, you know, because usually a lot of babies are born with blue eyes and they change, you know, color yeah. well before a year. No, she was she was two before hers started to darken and now they're definitely Ojibwa eyes um, slightly tip tilted dark brown but uh, for my from you know my grandmother since we thought she was Irish that's what I always thought of as Irish eyes the, the ones that are blue gray or green depending upon mood weather when she was mad they were green when she was happy they were more of a light blue and when she was sad, they were kind of gray. Ah, that's interesting. Um, actually, mine are hazel, which is kind of that gray, green gray. Yeah, the, the into the green and, and a little touch of the brown sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that means I am Irish, huh? Could be, <laughs> since that's the only yes. reference I had to that song. That- <laughs> That uh, stuck in my head as a child. Oh, goodness. Katie, do we have any other hands raised? You have my hand. Oh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, I'm breaking the rules as a host. I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm giving really, you permission. I don't really have a story. I have a little, I have one little comment I want to say, and I want to have you tell us a little story. Um, when I was working, my last name is Lear. 
and all of my coworkers would call me Katie or Katie O'Leary. Did your cow kick over the lantern that started the fire? And I would say no. But, you know, this went on for years. They just loved to pester me about that. But, Terry, what I'd love for you to tell us is, how did you go about kissing the Blarney Stone? I know it's not an easy feat. Oh, it's not. It's not at all. Tell us how you did it. Well, actually, the first time I did it, um, it was really not an easy feat. The Blarney Stone is... How can I explain this? It's a large tablet, if you will. Oh, I'm going to say roughly 8 by 12 feet. And it's hung, it hangs out over the top, over the side of an ancient ruin, castle ruins. And it's in, a, in framed and in this wire meshing. And what you do is you climb up the old turret stairs to the top of the castle that's totally all gone in the middle. So it's just the outer walls. And you walk around the edge of the outer wall from the, uh, from the top of the stair, the, of the stairways to the other end of the castle is where it is, where the Blarney Stone is. And the tradition was, well, there are a lot of stories about it, but the, I remember one of the ones that I had heard was that the, um, I think he was like the Duke of Blarney, he was some, <laughs> some royalty, had a son who had a, uh, uh, a speech impediment. I think he stuttered, I think is what it was. And the rock used to be right out on the end of a peninsula there. And the idea was that you made the pilgrimage out there. To, he made the pilgrimage out to the rock and kissed it when he got there. And that cured his stutter. Probably being scared to death to get out to it is what did it. But <laughs> that's the uh, the story anyway. And... When, uh, so what you do is you go around and you, and there are these, this man at the end in front of the stone and he holds you and he is so, from doing this for years and years, his arms and upper body is incredibly muscular. Excuse me. You lie down on a piece of like carpet, if you will, just a, like a mat. And you have to lie on your back and he holds you and slides you off the edge of the castle head first. And you kiss this stone that's behind you, essentially. And then he slides you back up. And somewhere in between, someone's taken a picture that you can buy when you get back downstairs, of course. (laughs) But the crazy part of the first time I went, first of all, I don't like heights. I mean, I can get dizzy looking into a subway pit. Um, so looking down like the equivalent of like four floors into nothingness below me was not my favorite thing. But And that was after I got up the stairs. Remember back in the late 70s, we all got into earth shoes and those crepe sole shoes. I had on crepe sole shoes and it was pouring rain. And those turrets are not weatherproof. That the uh, the turret stairs and the rain was 
pouring down the stairs and we're trying to climb up the stairs and I would go up two and back down three. And then I'd go up three and back down two. It took me forever. And I was so black and blue from hitting my knees on the edge of the steps when I'd slide back down. I thought I was never going to get to the top. But the second time I went, at least it was a good day. And uh, I think my husband's done it twice also. And my and we took our, my son and... My husband and my son and I went to Ireland again, and when did we do that? 93, I think it was. And uh, no, 83, we went, the three of us. And he and Scott went up, and I said, you know, I've done it once, that's enough. But then the third time that I was over there, I said, well, I guess I have to do it one more time. But uh, there it is. It's a tricky thing to do. It truly is. Well, I'm going to play one more song. I just haven't looked at the time. Okay. I'm going to play one more song that I think has a, you know, kind of reminds people of, or at least it reminds me of how, you know, how far people came when, when they came to this country and, you know, what they achieved and how hard they worked to achieve it. Um, it was, you know, it, it was no easy task. And you know, just like for any, for any group coming in, you know, when the Italians came, when the Chinese came, when every, you know, we are not a very hospitable people. I think the human race at times, um, well, you know, and as is all true evidence today. Um, I don't think we've ever been as inhospitable as we are right now, but hopefully that will change. But there's another, Patty Riley, who is one of my absolute all-time favorite performers from Ireland, did this song. Uh, several people have recorded it, actually. And it's called When New York Was Irish. And it's just kind of a, here's what we did, and and yet... It's remembering the past and looking into the future. So if I can get back to screen sharing, I'm just going to play this piece for you as well. And uh, I know nobody ever expects me to do something New York, but the biggest, deepest stack of secret from this Bostonian is that my great-grandparents on my father's side both came through New York and actually lived. My grandfather was born in Brooklyn. And uh, so it's actually pretty logical for me to do it. But now I lost the song. There it is. Sing you a song of days long ago when people from Galway and County Mayo from all over Ireland they came here to stay to take up a new life 
Does anyone have an interest in Irish music? 
I've kind of thought about the idea that it'd be so much fun to do a an Irish pub night, like one night a month or, you know, on a Friday night a month or something. Couldn't possibly interfere with karaoke, but uh, if we could do something like that, I'm just curious. Um, hi, Beth. I see you have your hand up. You can unmute. Hello. Hello. How are hi. you? I enjoy, I enjoyed the calls you did last March. I thought they were fantastic. Um and I was going to say that's cool that you your your grandfather you said came from Brooklyn mine um my great grandfather yes, Yeah, my grandfather it would have been yeah, my grandfather did. Yeah. My my father, well my my grandparents immigrated to Brooklyn from Sicily. Ah, but my my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, married an Irish girl. And uh, every time we used to go visit on St. Patrick's Day, she would she would give, um, you know, feed us corned beef and cabbage. Or they, we would go down to the big, they had a corned beef and cabbage dinner over there that we would go to. And I thought it was cool and listen to Irish music and stuff like that. I thought it was neat. And... Um, and um, she used to, she used to play the Irish Rovers for us. Too. Ah, <laughs> with the unicorn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The unicorn. We yes, had a great I time. Sure one, remember her? We had a great time with them one time. Um, it was after they had made the. I think yeah, it would have been after the unicorn was popular. Um, a friend of mine was getting married, and her mother was very into everything Irish and she was a woman of some means. They were the band for my friend Linda's wedding was the Irish Rovers. <laughs> we had a great wedding that time. <laughs> great parties. It's one of the things the Irish are really, really good at are having some really good parties. You know, I, I was thinking oh, yeah. that when, uh, when I was playing that song just now, it says the, the parties, the, the parties, the Kayleys, the parties and the wakes. All too often, well, I shouldn't say all too often, but very often. Um, those are all things that are great, that are uh, quite uh, unifying, shall we say. You know, um, the Irish love to party, especially as Irish-American. I used to be involved. We had an Irish-American club back home. We used to have a dance every Saturday night. We had uh, someone that came in and taught uh, Irish step dancing on Thursday nights. We uh, took, we had another person who taught the Irish language one night a week. Um, That kind of, all those kinds of things. And it all ended up, you know, everybody just having a grand time. Um, I remember, this may sound a little foreign to some people. But when my grandmother passed away, my mother wanted to do an old-fashioned Irish wake, and which literally meant having the wake at the house. Excuse me. So that the casket and everything was in the, it was in the living room. And that's mm-hmm. the way that it was all set up, was upstairs was serious. You know, you came in, you knelt down, said your prayer, 
I spoke with the family who was up there at the who who happened to be up there at the time. And then you went downstairs and there was one heck of a collation going on down there. And, you know, you'd have we'd hire someone to tend a bar and um, and it was just they were great social gatherings. And even after that, um, you know, that was, uh, but because that was the way they were done back in the early part of the 20th century, um, back in the 20s and 30s, and I think into the 40s. And so I think it meant a lot to my mother because she remembered she had a sister who had passed away um, when she was 10 years old. And my mother was eight. And I think it just always stuck with her about having it at home. And so when her mother passed, she wanted it at home. Um, but even my, when my mother passed away a few years ago, you, you know, we all went out. There were probably 50 of us or so went out to dinner afterward. Um, because I think we, we we not only celebrate, we not only grieve the loss of people, but we celebrate their lives. And we celebrate what they've accomplished and, you know, be it maybe may also you know, be who they have, you know, the friends that they made, the, the, their family, their offspring, um, whatever they did in their career. Um, I think we all just tend to appreciate that kind of thing. And so I think that's where a lot of it comes it comes back to us and how we do keep people close. And um but I thank you for sharing that, Beth, that you were from <laughs> from Brooklyn too. My grandfather was born there. Um does anybody else like to share anything? Tell us what you're planning. If you have any plans for tonight, I know I do. Um, I've been working really hard for the last two weeks. And I said, you know, September 17th is my halfway to St. Patrick's Day mental health night. So don't anyone call me too early tomorrow morning, please. <laughs> um, before we go, before we go, though, I do want to thank Katie. Katie O'Leary there. She's done a grand job, hasn't she? Oh, it's she? my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. She's done a grand job altogether. Lovely, lovely lass. And Ben, we certainly don't want to forget our great streamer, Mr. Larry Gassman. Thanks so very much. Talking with, a, talking with an Irish accent, even though I'm from Germany. <laughs> I'm just watching the buttons go round and round, and, and that's not as exciting as drinking a bottle of wine. Uh, no, it's probably not, but you know, it's the night is still young. Very young. Very young, very young. <laughs> it's very, very young yeah. to you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't even arrived yet. No, we haven't even had dinner yet. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let me just tell you all a couple of quick things. Um, next week, we are going to be doing a show on media, on ACB's media. And Rick Morin is going to be joining us. And the other thing, uh, the other people that are going to be joining us are people who are st uh, streaming programming 
on ACB Media now. A few of them, just a sampling. Um, a few people. I'm expecting that uh, Paul Edwards will be on from Tuesday Topics. Uh, Gabriel Lopez Cafati from uh, BPI. What is that? Pride Connect. Um, Anthony Corona from uh, Sunday Edition. Uh, Kathy King and Cheryl Fisher, and I'm leaving off one of her names and it's gone for me, uh, from Writing Works Wonders and possibly two other people. I haven't gotten confirmations on the other two yet. So we're just going to have a time for people to learn more about some of the programming that's available, some of the programming that's going to be coming up. We'll kind of see if we can't get a little bit of some sneak peeks from Rick. And then on the, that's the 24th. And then on the 1st, we're going to do, I've had a lot of requests to do another Baby Boomer Trivia Night. So we'll do that on April 1st. I mean, October 1st. See, I'm I'm too far into March now. I'm still thinking it's St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) But I want to thank you all for joining me tonight. I hope that you have enjoyed our program this evening. And if you're looking for any good Irish music or anything that I can um, help you locate, don't forget you can always email me at visabilities, V-I-S-A-B-I-L-I-T-I-E-S, five zero, at gmail.com. That's our uh, email address here is visabilities. 50 at gmail.com. And I want to thank you all. Hope you have a, a great weekend and a healthy and safe week ahead. And I look forward to visiting with all of you again next Friday night. Thank you and good night.